not easy to transition from what took place up here today. But I do believe the word of the Lord is important, and we're going to preach just a few minutes. If you'll turn to Joshua 1 with me. Joshua 1, and we're, then we're going to flip over to Joshua 10. And uh, I have a public confession. I'd like to go ahead and repent today. Um, I said some things and threw some things and broke some things last night, about 10 o'clock. And um, I hurt my hand because I was mocking something, and it just didn't go well. And Lacey's rubbing it in already because she's from somewhere down south of here that we like to go vacation. So, Lord, forgive me for last night, the things that I threw and broke and said that I shouldn't have. But God, redeem us next week when we pray a lesser opponent that's not very good. My wife was guilty the first half of the Georgia game, too, so I'm going to roll her under the bus. <laughs> the Lord speaking to Joshua. I think this is maybe the most descriptive and interesting story from my level of interest, one of the most in the Bible. It says this, Now after the death of Moses, servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses. Underline that word, assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead, so get up and cross over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I am giving, for underline I am giving, to the children of Israel. Then look at this, English teachers. I am giving. Next sentence, he goes past tense. He says, I have given you every place that the sole of your foot should tread, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness, going down to five. No man will be able to stand against you. Underline that. No man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. If you're an English teacher, it's a little bit confusing because he's changing tenses. He's saying, I will be, I am with you. Then he's saying, I have given you already. So he's going back and forth as he's speaking to Joshua. Then he says this, be strong and courageous. Everybody know that verse? Be strong and courageous for you shall provide the land that I swore to your fathers. Give them as an inheritance for this people. Be strong and very courageous. Second time. In order to act carefully in accordance with the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn aside from it to the right or the left so that you may succeed wherever you go. Does anybody want to succeed? Can anybody claim success? I just told you how to do it. Okay? Don't turn to the right or the left. Stay right here in the middle. Got it? Here we go again. Now, three verses later, again, it says this. The book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may act carefully according to all, say all, that is written in it. Then you will make your way successful and you will be wise. There you go again. Second time. This is how you be successful. Have I not commanded you? Third time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord God is with you, present tense, future tense, is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Why would God Almighty have to repeat himself three times in, nine, in three verses? Three verses, same wording, three times. Not that Joshua was hard-headed. I believe he was laying a foundation. I believe if you build houses, you dig out the, the, the surface, the dirt, the, the clay that we live in, and you put concrete, and you put cinder block, and, you put, and you're building the foundation. I believe that God was encouraging Joshua because Joshua had to follow Moses. 
Moses that parted the Red Sea, Moses that got the Ten Commandments. What a daunting task to have to follow Moses as the leader of the children of Israel. So God's building his faith, telling him three times, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, you can do this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Not one man will stand against you. I will always be with you. Let me ask you a question today. Do you believe that Joshua, because he became a king and he was all that, and there's a book in the Bible named after him, do you believe that he has greater access to God than you do? Does the Bible not say that he's no respecter of persons? Does the Bible not tell us that we have equal access to God Almighty? Sometimes I get, you know, and I'm always honored and we pray. You know how we pray. We go after it in prayer. We got prayer lists that are a mile long, but sometimes people will call and say, I need you to pray so-and-so, so-and-so. I say, have you prayed? Oh, I need you to pray. You're a pastor. You're a bishop. You got a bishop credential. Have you prayed? I don't have any more access than you do. And Joshua doesn't have any more access than you do either. So watch what happens. Flip over to chapter 10. Because of the confidence that God instilled in Joshua, Joshua goes for nine chapters and basically just destroys everything. Everywhere he went, he won because again, it said, Success, you will be successful. Meditate on the word day and night, you will be successful. God gave him the playbook, Joshua ran the play and all he experienced was success. Everywhere that he went, he had success and he comes to chapter 10 and something very interesting happens. When King Adonizedek of Jerusalem heard that Joshua had captured Ai, there's a message right there I'm gonna preach one day. This Ai thing is real. But look what Joshua did. He captured it and destroyed it. That's another time. Doing to Ai and his kings as he had done to Jericho and its kings, the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and among them. He and his people were very afraid. We just talked about fear and anxiety. They were afraid because Gibeon was a large city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai and all of its men were warriors. So King Adonizedek of Jerusalem sent the message to King Hoam. There are five kings there that are mentioned. Five, say five. Come and help me. Let's attack Gibeon for it's made peace with Joshua and the children of Israel. So five on one. Five versus one. I don't like those odds. Five versus one. Check this out. Verse five. Kings of the Amorites, Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon and all their armies gathered, advanced, and camped against Gibeon. Then they waged war against it. The men of Gibeon sent a message to Gilgal, Joshua, come help us. The Lord said to Joshua, this is verse eight, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not a single man can stand against you. Didn't he say that in chapter one? He's reiterating the promise. Many, many times in our lives, we need to, to God to reiterate the promise. We need to hear it again. We need our faith to be built. We need to be told, be strong and courageous three times in three verses because we're hard-headed. We limit ourselves. We don't believe what the word says. We don't believe what God has for us. We hold back because of fear and anxiety. That's where Gibeon was. Verse nine, Joshua came upon them suddenly, underline this, having marched all night from Gilgal. Scholars tell us that they marched all night and that the territory that they covered was about an eight hour walk I'm um, excuse me. Yes, an eight-hour walk and about 20 miles. 
Now, I want you to think for just a minute. If you walked eight hours through the deserts, anybody ever been to Israel? Been to the country of Israel? It's not flat. <laughs> it's a lot like here. It's not flat. Eight hours, 20 miles, walked all night, marched all night with their weapons. Think about that, okay? They went straight into battle. They didn't get there and take a break and eat dinner and lay down and take a nap and campfire and sing Kumbaya. They went straight into battle. What I want you to get out of that is that they did their part. They did their part. Then look what the Lord did with his part. The Lord panicked them. Them is the five armies. He panicked them before Israel. Israel struck them with overwhelming force at Gibeon, pursued them on the road that rises to Bethoron, struck them down as far as Azekah and Makkedah, fled from Israel down the slope to Bethoron. The Lord hurled huge hailstones down upon them from the sky. In other words, you do your part and I got this. This is what I do every day with a snap of a finger and the blink of an eye. You need a little help, I got you back. You, need, you got five on one, they got you outnumbered, that's okay. Hailstorms, hey, go. Hurled huge hailstones, think about that. They died, the five armies died, and in fact, more of the five armies died from the hailstones than the children of Israel had killed with the sword. God killed more through the atmosphere than the men and women did, the warriors did on the land. On the day, say day, day, the Lord gave over to the Amorites, the children of Israel. Joshua spoke to the Lord, and I want you to understand, in full view of Israel. Does your Bible say in full view of Israel? The Lord spoke and said, Joshua spoke to the Lord and said in full view of Israel. What does that mean? It means that everybody saw him do this. It means that everybody saw, all of his warriors, all of his armies and the other five, everybody saw him Give a command to God. The audacity. How dare you? How dare you? It says, God, make the sun stand still at Gibeon, the moon in the valley of Ajalon. Everybody saw it. What an opportunity for epic failure. Oh, God, make the sun stand still. You think he would have lost confidence with his, with his warriors? But he had so much confidence that God would fulfill the promise that he had told him because he told him be strong and courageous three times. He told him not one will be able to stand against you, did he not? And then you see huge hailstones and you gotta believe there's something going on around here. So he calls for the sun to stand still until the people brought vengeance to their enemies. It's not written in the, is it not written in the book of Jasar? The sun stood still in the middle of the sky and did not set for a full day. There has not been a day like this either before or after it when the Lord obeyed a man. For the Lord waged war for Israel. Joshua and all of his Israel, of all of Israel with him, returned to the settlement. What kind of relationship and intimacy would you have with God that you would literally look in front of everybody and tell him what to do? What, what, what possibly could, could give you that kind of audacity? You know, when we use that word audacity a lot of times, we use it in a negative con connotation. It's the audacity of them saying that about me. The audacity. No, th in this word, it's like, it's like taking an ordinary person and making them extraordinary. The audacity 
of an ordinary man to give God a command in which God obeyed. The relationship that Joshua had, how he had proven God over and over and over again because he followed what took place in the foundational chapter, chapter one of meditating on the word day and night. See, here's the deal. God's plans are perfect and he does not have a plan B. When it comes to God's plans, we're the only limitation that God has. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, any way he wants to do it. But we hold him back. Faith over fear. Anxiety creeps in. Pride creeps in. Outside voices and influence creep in. But here's what I would say. Joshua had vision and he had faith. And if your faith is not intimidating to you, there's a great chance that it's insulting to God. Don't ask God for the little things that you can do. Today, I want to talk about the miracle is already yours. The miracle is already yours. It's already, I have given this to you, the word says. Believe that the miracle is already yours. Who was Joshua? I mean, check out his resume. Again, Richie, I don't have, I'm just Joshua. There's a whole book in the Bible about him. He was the king of Israel. He, 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 he conquered five armies in one day. I'm not Joshua. You know who Joshua was? He was born into slavery as all Jews in that generation were. Were you? No. He rose to leadership as Moses' personal assistant. Only God can take a personal assistant and make them a king. Only God can take a shepherd boy in a field and make him a king. Only God can prepare Mary to give birth to a, queen, a king. Joshua received that word. What did he do about it? He understood that there was history. He Remember Joshua's vision was that when others saw giants and feared, he saw a land flowing with milk and honey. See, it's all in your perspective. It's all in what you allow the enemy to intimidate you to. 40 years of wandering around in the, in the, in the lost with Moses did not phase his faith. A personal assistant became a king. He's not here today, but I want to brag on my buddy, your campus pastor. Chris Horvath was a personal assistant to Kevin Wallace for 13 years. And when it came time to launch this campus, when we met as an executive leadership team, we said, there's something on that guy right there. We acknowledged it. We saw it. But more importantly, God saw it. You may look at what you do as being minor, not important. I promise you, you can serve your way to success right where you are. Somebody will notice. More importantly, God will notice. You want a promotion? Serve your way to success. You want a better job with more money and less hours? Serve your way to success. You want a platform? Serve your way to success. Follow the model of Joshua and see what God will do for you. History is an experience. Joshua knew from experience because God told him all along to be bold and, and, and courageous. So whatever time lapsed between chapter 1 and 10, it just continued to build Joshua's face. So when he faced the enemy, he believed God's word, which said, I've already given them to you. See, today, God has already given you the answer to your prayers. 
Our problem is we think it ought to be immediately. Sometimes the answer is just wait a while. Delay's not denial, just, just wait, just wait, just wait. And because he knows what's best for us, sometimes the answer is no. But he answers the prayers. He's already given you what he knows to be best for you because he knows your future and you don't. So he had faith. He asked audaciously and God literally froze time. This long shot prayer made the sun stop in the middle of the sky. I studied this because I know this war goes on between science and creation and the Bible and all this that takes place. And there's always a scientific argument. And here's what I found. Scientists from China, India, Germany, Israel, the United States, and all other countries agree that something happened in a space and time when the earth's access froze for 24 to 48 hours. They can't explain it. They don't understand it, but they go back through the almanacs and back through all the history books and everything. Something happened. And their explanation is, well, Joshua said sun stands still, but as we know, the sun doesn't move. The earth moves around the axis, and that's how the sun, even greater. That's an even greater miracle to me. If you're telling me the sun stood still and didn't move and the earth moved on its axis, that means that God moved the whole earth for one man. God can move the whole earth for one person in this room today. He can stop heaven and earth today and fix everything that you're asking him to do. Just have faith. He was so audacious. Check this out. He was so audacious and assumptive because he had an assurance that the action of the assignment had already been achieved. I'm gonna say that again because I like it. He was so audacious and assumptive because he had an assurance that the action of the assignment had already been achieved. You know what, here's what I wanna say. Joshua had swagger. Joshua had some, Joshua wore sunglasses at night on the sidelines in Colorado, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Joshua had some air about him. He, he, he just, that's what happens when you get bold and courageous and you get confident. Confident, not cocky. Confident, not cocky. Confident backs it up. Cocky can't back it up. But he was so confident and cocky, and excuse me, take that out of the tape. So confident, bold and courageous that watch, look at verse 15. This blew my mind. You know, you can read the Bible all your life and all of a sudden you're reading something that sounds so significant or insignificant and you're like, what in the world? I read that he just defeated five armies, killed everybody, hailstones fell from the sky, the sun stood still, all this took place after marching eight hours, 20 miles, dead, tired, hungry, look what they did. This is how they celebrated. Joshua and all of Israel with him returned to the settlement at Gilgal. He went home. <laughs> I was reading that last night. I was like, really, God? That's it? The sun stood still. The hailstones fell from the sky. We went five on one and one, and we just went home. Remember the swagger I was talking about? I'm watching games last night. I'm watching guys score touchdowns and they've got pre-orchestrated routines that they do. Celebration routines because they scored one touchdown. I'm watching the Braves and these guys hit home runs and they got to flip the bat 
and <laughs> you know what my coach used to tell me? Act like you've done it before. Act like you expected to do that. Don't make a fool out of yourself. That's what Joshua did. He's like, well, yeah, we just beat five to one. Did y'all see the sun stand still? That's pretty cool. Did you see those hailstones? Things look like bowling balls. Let's go home, boys. That's how confident, again, so assured, so assumptive that he knew God was going to do what he told him he was going to do in chapter one. He never had a doubt. What does it take for our faith to get to that level? If God's no respecter of persons, he's not going to give Joshua something that he can't give you. It's all upon us. And it's already there. He's already given us those promises. But we have yet to take action to receive some of them. He's spoken it to us. He's proven it to us. Our history is clear. How many of you have ever received a miracle from God? God has done something in your life miraculously that there was no way that you could have done it yourself. No way that any other human being could have done it yourself. Only God could have done it. Most people raise their hands. You understand the power of the miraculous work of God Almighty. What miracle have you yet to claim? What son have you not told to stand still? He's no respecter of persons. They just returned to Gilgal. I, I thought about that. You know, I got to believe we would at least have a parade. We would at least have a city parade. We would have a holiday, a uh, holiday week, maybe a holiday month, maybe a holiday year if that took place and we observed it and we were beneficiaries of that miracle. But they just went home. The monumental miracle, God says, was minimal, microscopic, minuscule. It's what I do. It's no big deal. So I'm going to give you three steps today to believing and receiving your miracle. Three steps to receiving and believing your miracle. Number one, you got to see it and you got to seize it. You got to see and see God's vision, not your vision, not your plan. The best prayer that you can pray for your future is God, I'm putting all my plans in your hands and then get out of the way. I've told you before, I got to fly up here. I told you before, don't lay in the bed at 3 a.m. and strategize what you're going to say in your 9 a.m. meeting and try to figure it all out and lay there at 3 o'clock and strategize. Just say, God, you got this. I can't, but you can. All things are possible. Just start spouting the word back to him. Your promises are yes and amen. I can do all things through you. I don't have to strategize. Put all your plans in God's hands. See and see God's visions for your life. Do what it is that he's asking you to do. See, Joshua had to see it. There's something I didn't tell you about. The Gibeonites that Joshua went to fight for had made an alliance with Israel because Israel had taken out everybody. Or excuse, yeah, taken out everybody. So they go to him and say, hey, we're scared of you. And, and we're from a land far away. Check us out. I mean, our, our donkey saddles are all beat up. Our, look at our sandals are worn out. Our food, all we got left is crumbs and it's all dried up. They lied. They lied to Joshua. And Joshua, being a good man of God, says, okay, come on, you can work with us. We'll take care of you. So then when they got in trouble, by the time Gibeon got in trouble and the five armies were advancing against Gibeon, Joshua knew he'd been lied to. He knew he'd been played. 
He could have easily said, no, 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 you got yourself into this mess. You can get yourself out of this mess, but he didn't do that. He saw an opportunity. And because he saw an opportunity, he went and helped somebody that he might not wanted to help in that moment. Anybody ever lied to you? It's kind of hard to get over. I'll trust you once, but don't lie to me. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do anything I can for you. But when you lie to me, it's that old shame on you. Trust, you know, I don't know why he did it, but he did. But look what God did with his trust. He stepped out on faith. Number two, step out on faith. Because of his strength, God's strength, not Joshua's own strength, they pursued a larger purpose. By stepping out and finding this lie, it became a blessing. Why? Why would that be a blessing? Watch what God did. What the enemy meant for evil, he brought all five armies into one place. And Joshua already knew the outcome, did he not? He knew he was going to win. So he's just saying, thank you, Lord. You got them all right here. I can take, and one day, I'm going to end this thing. Instead of having to go from city to city to city and all over the place, I told you earlier, eight hours, 20 miles, God brought them all together and he saw it and he seized that opportunity. He stepped out in faith and the lie became a blessing because what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around and put it in good. Check this out. This is what's really cool. Number three, set into motion your next move. Set into motion your next move. How many times do you see something and you want something and you believe something and you ask God for something, but you don't step out and take a move? You don't walk the eight hours and the 20 miles. You don't do your part. We don't do our part. I'm in that group to receive all that God's got. See, by him bringing all five armies into one location, Joshua took them out, which in essence stripped those cities from their ability to defend themselves. So when they finally did go to take over those cities, they had depleted all the resources and it was an easy, easy victory because all he did was ask for an extension. Has anybody ever needed an extension? Some of y'all, your minds go immediately to the IRS. Sometimes we just need a little more time. Sometimes God's doing a work and we just don't have the answer yet. But we keep pursuing him and we keep doing our part and we stay on our face before God. And the Bible tells us to wait on the Lord. Well, Joshua didn't have to wait. See, the enemy thought it was evil, brought them all together. They whipped everybody and then they just went home. Verse 15 says that they just went home. So what are you asking for today? What are you willing to see in God's vision? Not your vision. God knows selfish motives and God knows servants' hearts. What are you willing to step out in faith and claim the promise that you already have your miracle? Claim that promise of yes and amen. The Bible says no one will be able to stand against you because I, God, will never leave you and never forsake you. God does not lie. If he said it, he's gonna do it. So today, I want you to think with me for just a minute. We've had an incredible day of worship. We've watched people get free. But you're sitting there today with your own junk. And let me just give you a hint. Everybody's got junk. Everybody's got stuff. Most of it we don't know about. 
Everybody faces challenges. I told you earlier, today's facts don't have to be tomorrow's facts. Today's addictions and temptations don't have to be tomorrow's addictions and temptations. Today, when I think about alignment with God's will, alignment with God's will is saying, how many, how many of you were here the first night that we had an interest meeting last June when it was dusty and it smelled bad and it, you were here that first night I told you, all we want to do is to do it God's way to achieve his will. Take our work, do it your way to achieve your will. That's the prayer. When you pray that, you can't lose. We get in the way and manipulate and want to try to do this and want to say what we got to say and maybe withhold a little information and, well, the contract and uh, just do it, just do it God's way. Trust what God tells you to do. And here's what I would say to you today. Stand with me. We're going to pray. It's not going to be a real formal dismissal today. Shortly, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And I'm cutting two-thirds of my message. But I feel like we've, we've had a breakthrough today for so many people. And I think God wants to do some more work in the altar. And Gen Z, you're welcome. But this next altar call in a moment is going to be for those that are adults those that need breakthroughs. I think about the challenges that we face. I think about the older that I get. I think about broken relationships. We've all got broken relationships. We've all got things that, that we need God to do. Many, many, many of you have wayward children. They've taken a path that you don't approve of. And it breaks your heart and you lay in the bed every night and you cry out, why God, why? God, we tried, we raised them right. We've, we've put them in Sunday school, we put them in church, we, we've read the Bible, we've prayed. God, we need our children to come back to you. You've got addictions, you've got things in your life that you can't overcome on your own and the truth of the matter is you can't. Just say no, that, that really doesn't work. You have to say, just say, God, I can't do it. I can't stop doing this, but you can deliver me. Today, that can happen for you, regardless of what the situation is. Many of you experience financial issues. Let me just tell you something. You may be special, but you're not unique. You're not unique. There are a lot of people struggling to get the money to meet the end of the month. God is your provider. He can give you anything. He can exceed every need that you have. Marital issues. Marriage is not always easy. Every day we got to get up and make a choice that I'm going to love this person. I'm going to look at that person the way that I did the first time I saw her or him. The day we walked down the aisle together, I'm going to see that person because the truth is we've all got qualities and we've all got quirks. And whichever one you focus on is the one that will build your marriage or ruin your marriage. Every kind of issue that we face today, lost my job, got laid off, don't know what I'm gonna do, need to be a better husband, need to be a better wife, need to be a better father, a better mother, a better son, or a better daughter. God's given you the promise. It says, I have already done this. He has already done this. You are who you are by the grace of God and that is enough. 
So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if I can get my altar workers to come forward, please. We're just gonna enter into a time of prayer. And if you say today that, you know, I got some stuff, I got some work to do, I got some things I'm not proud of, I need, I need to intercede for somebody, I need help, and it's at the level, Richie, that I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I just want to tell you that the miracle is already yours. What the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it around and mean it for good. He's going to flip the script. Today is your day for breakthrough. If I'm talking to you in any aspect of what I've said today, would you just acknowledge that by raising your hand? Hands all over. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you really mean it and you really want deliverance, I would challenge you three times in three verses and say, be bold and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And with eyes wide open, heads raised and everybody looking around, come to this altar and let us pray. If you raised your hand, come to this altar and let us pray. Nobody knows what the junk is and we've all got it. Nobody knows why you raised your hand. Nobody cares. Did anybody care when this sister got delivered this morning? No, we celebrated it. So as they come to the altar, we're going to celebrate with them. We're going to believe with them. We're going to stretch our hands this way and pray for them collectively and corporately. Can you do that with me? Will you pray with me? Stretch your hands this way and pray. If you did not come and you know you need to, it's not too late. Come on down here and let us pray. These people are anointed. They're trusted voices. They will pray for you and they will believe with you. Today's your day. If you're seated where you are, standing where you are, and you don't have the courage to come forward, just lay your hand on your heart and pray for yourself. You've got the same access that any of us have. Just pray for yourself right now. Lord, teach me. Show me. Help me to see your vision, the purpose for my life. Lord, I claim the miracle that you have promised that I have yet to receive. I believe it. I receive it. I want to see it. I want to seize it. I step out in faith. I will choose faith over fear. I will do what you ask me to do. Because I know that if I meditate on your word day and night, you will give me the promises of your word. Just pray that prayer.